Good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. Wow. Okay. So I know, like, Pastor Ryan not being here is bad news, but you all just got, look like you got, like, the worst news in the world. Can we try that again? Happy New Year? That's great. Okay, now I feel like I can get the year off to a good start. Thank you very much. Um, so Ryan and I have been talking, Lorenzo, we've been, we've been talking about where we are going to go with our series uh, in the new year. And we were all talking about um, this prayer that Pastor Ryan prays over our people at the end of every one of our gatherings over the past few months. You guys might have noticed it. You might have not. Um, but it, it, it's a prayer uh, that's been known in the Jewish community as the Aaronic Benediction. Uh, it, it goes like this. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and bring you peace. So you may not have noticed over the last few months as, we, as Pastor Ryan sends people off uh, in, and go throughout the week and we say you're dismissed, goodbye. This is what he's been praying. And it's a blessing that God gave to Moses as the Israelites were leaving uh, Sinai, Mount Sinai, where they had been camped, where they received the Ten Commandments. And Moses gave it to his brother Aaron, who is the high priest over all the nation of Israel. And he said, these are the words that you're going to use to bless the people of Israel. And so as we thought about how are we going to kick off this new year, we want to talk about what it means to be blessed and how God's blessing in turn allows us to be a blessing to the world. I don't know if you've already spent some time reflecting on this past year or setting goals for the year ahead, but everybody wants to be blessed. And it's not something that you can really like put on your to-do list, like step one of my 2022 goals, be blessed, right? No, like you can't like actuate, you can't make that materialize. It's something that happens to you. You are blessed by someone else. And in popular culture, it's become kind of like a silly cliche, like hashtag blessed, right? Uh, it's, it's just, it's become this way that we talk about having or, having, or not having material blessings. It's kind of a joke, right? Um, there's an there's a article in the New York Times in 2014 uh, where uh, author Jessica Bennett talks about our obsession and overuse of the term being blessed. And we talk about our life's greatest accomplishments or even our greatest attributes as merely being blessed. And it's kind of like this false humility thing that we do. And are like, oh, you did such a great job. Thank you, I'm blessed. Um, it's like, what? No, it's, it was your... So we don't really know what blessing is, essentially. Um, Bennett goes on, she says, there's nothing quite like invoking holiness as a way to brag about your life. <laughs> but something calling, calling something blessed has become the go-to term for those who want to boast about an accomplishment while pretending to be humble, fish for accomplishment, uh, fish for a compliment rather, acknowledge a success without sounding too conceited, or purposefully elicit envy. Blessed, divine or supremely favored, is now used to explain that coveted TED Talk invite as well as to celebrate your grandmother's 91st birthday. <laughs> 
Uh, so when we talk about being blessed, what we want to convey is more of what God intends to do to us and with us. So what is blessing? Where, where does it come from? How do we get it? And then what do we do with it is what we're going to be talking about. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at this prayer and we're going to be going through the various different, different facets of the prayer and doing a deep dive into what does it mean to have all of these different attributes of God's nature and his care blessing us. So first we're going to look today a little bit more at what does it mean that God blesses us. Next, we're gonna, next week, we're going to be looking with uh, a friend of ours, Pastor Char Broderson. He's going to come and talk about what does it mean that God keeps us or guards us, as some translations say. The next week, we're going to be talking about what does it mean that God makes his face shine on us. It's the Old Testament talks about Moses as being somebody who talked with God face to face as a man speaks with his friend. And yet, there was a time when Moses asked to see God's face, and God says, if you see my face, you would have to die. And so you're like, wait a minute, what does that mean? Like, is it dangerous to make God's face shine upon you, or is it a good thing? We're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about what does it mean to God, for God's countenance to be lifted on? That's not a word that we use like in day-to-day -day conversation, right? It, it has to do with God's favor or his affection. Like if a king has somebody come into his court and he says like, you are highly favored, basically, is what that means. And if you're not highly favored, then a king can kind of like punish or do whatever he wants. But it's basically saying that God chooses to favor you or prefer you or show his affection to you. So we're going to be talking about that. And finally, we're going to be talking about what it means to have God's shalom or his peace. But what happens is that the high priest was responsible for blessing the people of Israel with this blessing. And what it would do is what the last verse says. It puts the name of God onto the people. And the, the high priest in Israel, he wore special garments uh, while he was performing all of the different duties that a priest would do, he put on this, uh, this thing called an ephod, which is like a priestly garment that had 12 stones, one for each of the tribes of Israel. So as he blessed people, he was seen as a representative of Israel, of God's people to God, and as a representative of God to the people. That's what the priest's job description was. And so as he was blessing the people of Israel, he was symbolically standing in the gap for the people of Israel representing God. And on his head, there was this kind of like turban that had a, a little label on it that says, holy to the Lord. And the Lord would actually be the, the tetragrammaton, which is the four uh, Hebrew letters signifying God's name, Yahweh, yud Hey vav Hey. So it was putting God's name literally that was inscribed on his forehead onto the people. So blessing is something that was supposed to be 
inherited from God's people from the very beginning, and it was something that was lost very quickly. Blessing is what God gave to Adam and Eve when he placed them in the garden, right? Genesis chapter one, he said, it says he blessed them, Adam and Eve, and says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Blessing was something that God gave to the very first people that were created, but very quickly, blessing turned into cursing. And that's something that we're actually way more familiar with in today's vernacular, right? Like, nobody walks around saying, be blessed, be blessed. But we do walk around having to hold our tongue because we want to say something else very not nice to somebody else, which we refer to as swearing or cursing. Um, if you're driving down the 405, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That's just going to kind of come out of your tongue unless you're careful. Um, so cursing is what happened to Adam and Eve when they decided to disobey God's commandment, and they were lost from God's blessing that was contained within the Garden of Eden. And the project, ever since Adam and Eve left the Garden of Eden, was to regain that blessing. So what is the blessing? Well, it says it right there. It's God's name, which is another way of saying God's presence. God's presence was with Adam and Eve in the garden in such a tangible way that it says that they would walk together in the cool of the day. Imagine taking a stroll with God. That's how Adam and Eve experienced God's presence. It was tangible, it was close. And ever since the curse came upon the world, when Adam and Eve sinned and were driven from the garden, his presence has been lost. And so the job of the priests was to mediate God's blessing, God's presence to the people of Israel in a way that they could then carry that blessing with them wherever they went and be a blessing to other people. And there was one day in the calendar year of Israel that was the holiest day of the year called Yom Kippur. In, in the Hebrew calendar, it's the Day of Atonement. And there was a, the, the structure that had been created for the priests to go in to what was called the Holy of Holies, where God's presence was said to literally dwell. And they would go in and represent the people of Israel to God, confess all of the sins of Israel to God, and then be forgiven. And that would happen once a year. On the Day of Atonement, the high priest, as I mentioned, who was wearing this, this garment, would walk in to the Holy of Holies and put blood from a sacrifice on what was called the mercy seat, which is a place at the innermost part of the temple where God's presence was said to physically dwell on earth. The only place on earth that God's presence would dwell was there. And he would put the blood on the mercy seat, and then he, God would either forgive the sins of Israel or not. And if he didn't, then the high priest's life would also be in jeopardy. It, it, it was said in, in Jewish literature that they used to actually tie a, a rope to the waist of the high priest, and there would be little bells hanging on the rope so that they could give it a little tug to see if the high priest was actually still alive 
inside the Holy of Holies. So whether or not the sacrifice was accepted, uh, it was dependent on whether the high priest would actually exit the holy place and come out. And once the high priest came out of the most holy place, he would then announce to the rest of the community that the sins of the nation had been forgiven. And so God's blessing of his presence would be able to dwell with his people for the remainder of the the next year until the Day of Atonement. So why are we talking about this? Well, the priests were the ones that mediated God's presence to the people in Israel. But ever since Jesus came, Jesus steps in as a new kind of high priest. We did a series um, a number of years ago through the book of Hebrews. Um, The book of Hebrews is all about how Jesus brings a better and a new order uh, of what was the the old sacrificial system of Israel, what I just described, that Jesus is a new and better high priest. So I encourage you to go back and listen to that as well if you haven't. But the, the high priest that would was one of the descendants of the sons of Aaron, uh, as I mentioned, the one who would proclaim this blessing over the people. It was his sons and his descendants who would continue to carry out this duty. But when Jesus came, the book of Hebrews says that Jesus brought a new order of priesthood. And it was a priesthood that didn't just stay within this family lineage, but actually anybody who is associated with Jesus would now inherit this priesthood upon themselves. And so if you associate yourself with Jesus, with his death, burial, and resurrection, that priestly duty now actually belongs to you as well. So you, now associating with Jesus, the true and greater high priest, have the responsibility of mediating God's presence and his blessing to the rest of the world and mediating the, the cares and the concerns and the prayers of others to God. I don't know if you've ever had the experience um, as you're talking to somebody uh, in the city, a neighbor, a friend, or a coworker who doesn't know God, and they're telling you about a difficulty that they have. Maybe they don't, they don't ascend, identify with Jesus or not part of a church or whatever, and they're telling you about a difficulty that they've had in their life and you have zero idea of what to say to them. You, you know you can't make it better by like giving them a pat answer. You can't, uh, you can't tell them everything is gonna be okay, and you shouldn't, and so you offer to pray for them. That act of offering to pray for somebody might feel trivial, and to that person who might not have a reference point for what prayer actually does, they might think, uh, I guess so. And so I don't know if you've ever like offered to pray for somebody in that moment or said, oh, I'll pray for you later. But that act of praying for somebody, of bringing the concerns of somebody before God actually enables that priestly function to take place. If you're taking somebody's concerns and you're bringing them to God and saying, I know I can't do something about this. God, I know this person can't do anything about this, but I know you can do something about this. You are fulfilling that priestly duty, and that's what the New Testament says 
in the book of 1 Peter, it says that we are now a nation of priests. So we have this responsibility of not only blessing, being blessed by God, but by blessing others with God's presence. And so basically the, the focus of these next few weeks is going to be looking deeper into each of these aspects of the the priestly blessing, the way that God chose to bless his people, to do a deep dive into each one of these things, not so that we can kind of just understand what it means to have more prosperity or feel better about ourselves as we start a new year, but specifically so that we can be assured of God's presence with us and that we can actually go out into our city and mediate that presence to everyone that we come into contact with. Our desire for this, for this series is to not only understand what it means to be blessed by God, but, by, but to be a blessing to others. And the only way that that can happen is through his presence. God's presence is the blessing. There's a book, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, it's called uh, Practicing the Presence of God. It's by an old monk named Brother Lawrence. And uh, he lived uh, early 1500s, something like that. Maybe even earlier, I forget. But his, the, the book sounds like just a bunch of conversations. And the focus of the book is recognizing that God's presence is available to us in everyday life, not just when we're sitting down with our Bibles open, not when we're sitting down like intentionally having a prayer meeting, not even just when we're sitting in a Sunday service, but as we go about our lives in the day-to-day, we believe that God's presence is available to us because his spirit has been given to us as a down payment of the fact that we have been blessed by God, we've been welcomed into his family, and that we've promised the new resurrection life that Jesus accomplished for us when he died and he rose again. I mentioned that the high priest, you know, he was this guy who went into the Holy of Holies and that he would like put the blood of the sacrifice on the mercy seat and nobody was sure, you know, he's going to come out, is he not going to come out, are we blessed, are we not blessed? Jesus did that very same thing. In Jesus's death, he took the place of that sacrifice, the sacrifice that was put, the the blood that was put on the mercy seat, he himself shed his blood for us as the sacrifice and as the high priest who was mediating the sacrifice. And he went into the Holy of Holies, he went into death itself, and not knowing whether or not he was going to come out again, all of his disciples were bummed out and were sure that their, their messianic leader, their figure, their rabbi was gone forever. But three days later, he as the high priest emerged from the tomb victorious, just as the high priest would emerge from the Holy of Holies, guaranteeing that a sacrifice was received by God, guaranteeing blessing forever. So it wasn't this annual practice anymore. It was once and for all, Jesus as our high priest and as the sacrifice himself went in to death and emerged victorious, guaranteeing that blessing for us. So I don't know if you've started this new year 
feeling like you've got everything together, feeling like you accomplished all of your goals from 2021 and you're like ready to like get out of the gate and run for 2022, or if you're realizing kind of like I am this morning that you have nothing together and that God is the only one that is going to be able to ensure your blessing. It's not going to be whether you kill it at your job this year. It's not gonna be whether or not you accomplish all of your relationship goals or whatever. It's God's presence going with you that's going to enable you to live a life of blessing. And so this morning, we have the opportunity to continue to celebrate that truth that God's presence, his blessing, has been secured for us forever because of Jesus' death and resurrection and the promised spirit, the very same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is now living and dwelling within each one of us who have placed our faith in him. His presence is here, is with us, and it is accessible regardless of whether we spend, you know, 20 minutes talking about the Bible or 45 minutes talking about the Bible this morning. God's presence is promised to us. And we walk out of this place continuing to mediate that presence to the rest of our city. And so what we're going to do is throughout this series, uh, and each one of our series, we like to recommend a different practice that uh, we're employing to reflect on the truths of the word that we're doing, um, that we're reflecting on during our Sundays and throughout the week. Um, And just before uh, the pandemic in 2020, we did a series on silence and solitude. Uh, If you, you were here, you remember that. It was great. Uh, It's on our website if you want to go back and listen to it. But we're inviting people into another process, another time over these next few weeks of carving time out of your your week to sit in silence and solitude, reflecting on God's blessing and inviting his presence to be with you, to to speak to you. And so we're going to spend a little bit of time, obviously we're not in solitude, but we're going to spend some time in reflection and in silence this morning, uh, looking at this blessing together. So I would actually invite us to stand if you're able. We're going to read this blessing together. We're gonna read the text together and then we're gonna spend, uh, and you're welcome to be seated after we, we read it as well. Um, But we just, we like people to stand as a way of uh, signifying that what we're talking about, what we're reading together is not just like any word, it's God's word. So we're going to read this together and then you can be seated. And then we're going to spend a few moments in uh, reflection and silence. Um, And then I will conclude us in a time of prayer and we're going to be continuing to sing together. We're going to take communion, as Pastor Lorenzo said, a very tangible representation of God's presence with us in the, in the bread and the juice, the symbol of, God, of Jesus' body and his blood broken and shed for us. So let's read this blessing together and then enter a time of reflection and solitude, or sorry, sol- not solitude, silence, and remembering that God's presence is with us right now, that his blessing is available to us because of what Jesus did for us. So let's read this together. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. 
the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put the name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them.